0: Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hi, this is Andrea Peterson, and you're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Airstream. Come celebrate with Utah's exclusive Airstream dealership, Airstream of Utah, through March and April as we celebrate our first year anniversary. Help us celebrate our love of adventure and outdoors and receive a National Parks gift pack, which includes a National Parks Pass and guide with every Airstream purchase. Come visit Airstream of Utah. We are located in Salt Lake City at 2651 South, 600 West. Live riveted, Utah. Joining us today is Robin Cage. She might be a local musician, but Robin's experience in music is known across the country. Described as dark and dreamy alternative pop and often compared to Adele, Lana Del Rey, or Florence and the Machine, Robin is an incredibly prestigious singer-songwriter who calls Park City home. And she's here to chat with us about all her fun projects she's working on and, of course, the release of her new album. Robin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, so we have a new album. What is it? So it is called Slow the Devil. And uh, it just came out. Uh, I released it everywhere online, everywhere where music is sold online. It is available iTunes, Amazon, etc. cetera. And um, it, this is my second album, my second full-length album. And uh, yeah, I have it on CD and vinyl as well. So Ooh, that's kind vinyl. of <laughs> exciting. Yeah, the vinyl is like the hot thing right now. So
0: for some of our listeners, we're going to play a little bit of uh, the new album coming up. But kind of describe to our listeners, in your own words,
1: um, what is your style and genre of music? Well, it's constantly evolving. So I play piano. So everything that I write begins there. Uh, but there's Almost no piano on this record. It's, uh, it's a lot of synth, it's a lot of, uh, you know, there's bass and drums, there's viola. It's about half electronic instrumentation and about half organic instrumentation. It's, the lyrics tend to be poetic storytelling lyrics. It, it does tend to be darker. Although uh, when, I, when I was writing for this album and then arranging the songs on the album, it was kind of like a, a journey from darkness into light. So the album begins quite dark. <laughs> but, if, but if you listen along, you get you know a little bit lighter, a little bit more encouraging exactly. and happy. Yeah, so by the end, it's like this like fun, happy, optimistic ukulele. Well, me.
0: this is better than maybe listening in the opposite direction. They're like, by the time they finish their CD, you're like, oh, I'm really sad and yeah, exactly. lonely. I, I'm going to go curl up in a yeah. corner, never yeah. press play again. <laughs> So well then talk to us a little bit about that, um, just you know, kind of going off your music, um, before we really dig into some of the songs, um, you said you were a piano player. Mm-hmm. So what is kind of your background, your history of going
1: from, were you classically trained or? I was a bit. Um, so when I was when I was a kid, my my mom played piano and I I watched and was fascinated and I begged for piano lessons and they said no. They said no. They, <laughs> said no. they said no, because I was just not. They figured I wouldn't practice and I was kind of high energy and well, everything. That would be a lot of money to waste and right. a giant
0: instrument to yeah.
1: acquire. <laughs> right. But then I I taught myself how to read music uh, when I was six and so at that at that point my parents were like okay. This is what we'll you would be on How did you um, teach yourself how to uh, read music if you weren't well, going to school or f- lessons? My mom knew, and so I, you know, I I took familiar songs that were like in a book of children's Christmas songs. Okay. And I could ask, like, all right, where is this note on the sheet music on the piano, and then I could start picking the rest out by ear because it was like a familiar song, you know. And, and then I started to put the pieces together so by the time I had my first piano lesson I was reading treble clef.
0: Uh, do you remember the first song you knew how to play? Was it, was it a Christmas song or a uh,
1: It song? was Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. Okay. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> it's, it's either that or Happy Birthday, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I studied piano from when I was uh, seven to when I was 12 and I, my teacher was a composer um, and so he saw that I had an interest in writing music and was very encouraging and kind of showed me all the ropes. And that was sort of where it all began for me.
0: So did you have, I mean, you you learned piano because your mom was a piano player. Did she play in church
1: or for fun or, j- you know, what was her reason? She just played for fun. And, you know, I had this like, pink leotard, and she would play Chopin waltzes, and I would spin around the living room, and that was,
0: <laughs> that was like... That was
1: mommy-daughter time. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, did, so was your introduction then uh, classical, and when did it maybe evolve to a more um, popular style
1: of playing and composing? So that's a good question, because I'm not normal in that sense. <laughs> I, uh, I started singing when I was 15, but I... I trained with an opera singer so again my my influence there was was all like classical and then you know musical theater and Broadway stuff. So it, I didn't really get into pop music until I was a teenager. I don't think I listened to any pop music until I was a teenager so I and I remember this very clearly because it was like a defining moment in my life. Uh, I went down to the Utah Shakespeare Festival to do a, a summer camp for for kids, right? And one of the girls that we were rooming with had Tori Amos's first album. And she she played the song for us by Tori Amos and it blew my mind. <laughs> because it was like it was this woman, uh, you know, singing about interesting things and, and in a very daring and unapologetic way and she played piano but not the way that I played piano and you know she's saying with a, such a in such a unique way that didn't sound trained at all but was so expressive and i just it was immediate obsession
0: so would you say then, Tori Amos was one of your first like inspirations of in your ear for
1: performing and composing? Oh, definitely.
0: And yeah. Were there others out there, as you started garnering what exactly. pop music was, <laughs> yeah. you're like, wait, a CD? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's precisely what happened. You mean, I don't ho- have to go to a theater to hear
1: this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was a huge obsession, and as soon as I like discovered this n- brave new world, I, you know, immediately started to like, well, who else does this, you know? And and then I discovered, like, Fiona Apple and Sarah McLachlan and all these other women started emerging. And we are now
0: dating ourselves. Yes, we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally true. Um, because
0: you hear people, a lot of people talking about when they, like, Um, Develop their music appreciation, oftentimes Mm -hmm. it goes way far back where it is either like the classical musicians like Bach and Beethoven, or like for you know the jazzers, you know, it goes back to like the late 60s or 70s, or even back to the 30s and 40s. And um, but you were introduced like literally with women and voices that were performing at your time, like modern and right there, and you could go and see them.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, how is that like then maybe compared to? you know, as you opened up your music toolbox to like people that you could only listen to on recordings or was there any inspiration in the fact that they were ish tangible?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, I think my, the first rock concert I ever went to was not a rock concert. Actually, it was, it was, uh, it was Cindy Lauper and Tina Turner. (laughs) Now that does sound like I'm dating myself, but really it was, way past Cindy's heyday. <laughs> so I was 13 and she, you know, um, I think her biggest hits were like before I was born. Um, but uh, yeah, to be able to actually go see Tori Emma's perform and, and to be able to uh, watch my, my idols um, was huge. It was huge. But it was also terrifying because there was a part of me that knew that that's what I wanted to do, but I uh, was comparing myself to them.
0: Yeah, you know, you just have this like level of taste. You're like, okay, this is good. This is what I want to be. Now, how do I get there? Yeah. So what was kind of your process from, okay, this is what I want to do. Now, how do I get there?
1: It That was a long process um, because I... I knew that's what I wanted, but I was too afraid to pursue it. So I decided to do something less scary and go do theater instead. Um, which sounds crazy, but for, t- for whatever reason, that seemed like the safer option. Um, so I went to college for musical theater and then I went to New York City and did theater for about five years there. And you know, from honestly from week one in, in my musical theater program in Boston, I knew I was in the wrong place.
0: How did you, like, was it a feeling or just the, the, the things that you wanted out right. of your musical experience?
1: Yeah, it was, it was both, because I, I remember walking into my my dorm room and putting up my posters of Tori and, and Ani DeFranco, and I had, you know, all these, like, female singer-songwriter posters, and realizing that... N- nobody around me even knew who those girls were and and everyone just listened to show tunes all the time and that's all they listened to and I enjoyed that I, I really enjoyed it a lot but that was not my biggest love at all and and I think that if you are going to do musical theater as like your life's pursuit you have to love it more than anything else in the entire world and that was not me and I knew it
0: So what was kind of, I mean, it's hard when you're in college and especially in the art world, you know, you kind of just like dancers have to decide to be ballerinas at like 12, you know, if you're going to do musical theater, like you have to do it in your prime, your body physically and everything. So when you're in the middle of college and you're pursuing this career 100 percent, what was kind of the trigger that switched like, okay, no, this isn't it. I, I have a different calling.
1: So what happened, it actually kind of happened by accident. So. And I was living in New York at the time, and I, I'd kind of, whenever I booked shows, I was thrilled, and I, I had a wonderful time. But then between the shows, it was like deep depression and anxiety and wondering what I'm going to do with my life. And it was during that, one of those times when I was between shows, that I, uh, I was looking in the backstage magazine classifieds where they list all the auditions and castings and I saw that there was a music producer that was looking for new talent and I was like well I don't know I have some recordings I'll just submit to him and tell him that I write songs because I composed classical piano music when I was a kid I could do that right and it was just like on a whim that I did it and um, you know we ended up corresponding for a while and and, and meeting up and I, he showed me some things and I ended up signing with him and he kind of showed me the ropes of like the songwriting process, which I'd never really gone through. And I, I demoed a few songs and we, we decided to pick one to fully produce and record and, and release. And I emailed some of my, my, my closest friends and family and was like, okay, here's three songs that I've written. Please give me your honest feedback. And, you know, should I spend this money to make these recordings happen? And the response that I got from everyone across the board was like, Robin, this is your calling, you know? And I was like, it, it is. It is, question mark? <laughs> I thought it was, but now that you said it no. was. <laughs> well, well yeah, yeah, and that was like the affirmation that I needed to actually go for it. And then, um, you know, one of those other defining moments was the first time I heard uh, a song that I'd written you know, with all the instruments and the fully produced, finished, polished recording. And I, I, you know, this is embarrassing to admit, but I listened to it on repeat for like two weeks because I was like, this is so awesome. And, and that was it. I, I, I don't think I auditioned for, I don't think I've auditioned for any theater since.
0: So that kind of was that time period also bring you back to Utah was when you made that decision or did you stay in New York for a little bit pursuing that
1: specifically? I stayed in New York for about another year finishing my first EP and recording that. And then my plan actually I I'd, I'd been connected with a producer in Los Angeles and and I was kind of told like, well, you know, New York is really more of a theater scene um, for the kind of music that I, I do, Los Angeles might be a better fit, uh, and so I just thought, all right, well, you know what, I I um, I miss the West, and uh, I'm ready for a change. So I just figured I'd move to L.A. But I was totally broke after you know leaving New York. <laughs> it's what usually happens to yeah. most people. Yeah, <laughs> I've been living in an a- as an actor in New York City for five years, so yeah, I was pretty broke and i decided to just stay here um with my family i grew up in salt lake so i thought okay i'll just i'll just work sundance for like a few months and and do the park city winter thing and then save some money buy a car and go to la and then i met the guy that i married (laughs) and changed everything but i mean he he did offer to move with me um he would have he would have gone if if that's what i wanted to do but I really fell in love with Utah again. And you know, I I love where I live. I don't want to live anywhere else. I missed the outdoors the whole time I was in the big city. And you know, the world's a smaller place now. It's it's there's amazing music that's being made in Utah. You know, for my for my first record, my first, my first full length, I went out to L.A. and I recorded with a with a Grammy-nominated producer who was wonderful. But you know, for this album, I used a local producer, and his work I think is just as good, if not better, than any of the producers I've worked with before. I, um, I actually I I think it's better, and and he's just a local musician because the talent here is incredible and.
0: Yeah, well, that's the nice thing that with the digital age, you know, there are some goods and bads of it, but I think that is the wonderful thing is that now you can be talented and can be anywhere and still get your music out there nationally, internationally, and it can still be sound good because it's about good music and good storytelling, and you do an amazing job. I have to commend you for this. Your lyrics and the stories that you tell on all of your songs, I feel like I visually disappear into them. Oh. Um, and I just want you to kind of talk about how that is like coming up, what is your process? You know, is it the notes first, then the words, is it the words, the notes? You know, kind of what do you go through in creating these beautiful songs?
1: Well, thank you. And you know, it's, um, I'm a lyrics first person. So uh, that's, that is interesting that, that you say that because that's where the songs usually start for me, almost always. Uh, it'll start with a story, or an emotion, or an idea. And the stronger it is, the easier it is to write the song. You know, if there's something I feel really strongly about, or a really, really powerful emotion, or like a really interesting story, uh, the song will almost just write itself. So I usually um, begin with a lyrical idea, and I try not to go to the piano until I have that fully fleshed out, somewhat structured, and um, you know. And then, I, and then I can kind of attach a melody, I start singing it through, and then I'll take it to the piano and start adding the chords because I think that um, I end up with, with stronger lyrics and stronger melodies if I don't let the, the supporting music get in the way. Uh, If it if it can stand on its own, just lyrics and melody, then it should be an okay song.
0: (laughs) So some uh, songwriters out there, they get a little um, pushback from critics and audiences of how they write and what inspires them. You know, we always hear the stories about Taylor Swift and her breakups. Um, You know, like how much does your real life? play into your stories, or even how often do you find it? Because you said you really want a specific idea before you start writing.
1: Yeah, Uh, nine times out of 10, it is something from my real life. And then every once in a while I'll hear, you know, someone else's story that affects me in such a profound way that I feel like I have to write about it. And even the weird songs, like, you know, I. I know you know Theater Noir. (laughs) Yes, so for our listeners out there, um,
0: a few years ago I used to be a freelance videographer and Robin and I worked on a music video together called Theater Noir and we'll we'll have it on the website. You guys can take a look as long as also as well as some of her other music videos because she does some really cool creative stuff, which I actually do want to talk about. Um, You have, you take your art beyond just the songs and you take advantage of the landscapes, Um, but we'll touch on that in a second. But yeah, like talk about like something like theater noir.
1: Yeah, so like that one seems like, you know, on the surface, it's a uh, kind of super weird a story about circus freaks, but where it originated was actually when I decided to, to stay in Utah, and uh, and and my husband had told me that he would go anywhere with me. Like he was essentially going to join the circus to be with me. So and that's like the the love story in this song is that this guy falls in love with one of the like sideshow freaks and decides to join the circus to be with her. Right. So that's that's where that came from. So that story. You know, I'm, I'm the tattooed lady, and <laughs> my, my of She really isn't. I'm really not, I have no tattoos. <laughs> but, um,
0: but you also, when we were working, I remember we talked about it a lot, because sh- you actually got huge involvement from the community with, you know, uh, social media campaign and Kickstarter, and, and getting people involved, and really encouraging people to embrace, basically, their inner freak. And I think that you have a lot of these, and, you know, we'll kind of jump into your new album. But there is beyond just stories. You have messages and um, behind what you're doing, you know, like such as this new one, Slow the Devil, and you talk about it, you know, having this thing of what, unity and freedom mm-hmm. that you kind of process through for it.
1: Yeah, I, and that was a kind of by accident actually. It was when I, when I started to choose the songs for the record and I was looking at the recurring lyrical themes I, I found that um, a lot of it was like unity versus division and darkness versus light. And I think that that came from the polarity in our society I right was now. gonna ask you if it seemed to like affect, yeah. the current events affecting Ex- anything. Yes, I mean deeply. And it, I did not do that intentionally, but it's very obvious to me now that, that it did. That it, it, it found its way into my songwriting and into the music, and um, and so those themes are all over the album. And sometimes it's like division from me and another person, or me and society, or me and myself. You know, it's uh, those are some of the themes that are, that are in, in so the songs.
0: Well, then walk us through like um, one or two of your favorite songs on the album and kind of what the inspiration are, and you know what the theme is that you kind of want people to hear. Yeah,
1: so, um, okay, so one of the ones that I kind of just referenced is called This Means War, and yeah, it's funny you talk about Taylor Swift, and and I uh, when I first was writing this song and, and running it by a few people, they're like, oh, do you have, like, beef with someone? <laughs> is this, like, a Katy Perry, Taylor Swift kind of thing? And I'm like, no, this is, like me versus the like voice in my head. <laughs> this is me and my inner critic and and kind of just talking about how I've learned how to turn down the volume on that voice in my head that, that occasionally gets like nasty and berates me. And it's, you know, it's the insecurity, it's the, the fear and learning how to just kind of ignore that voice. Well, we'll know? go ahead. We'll play you a little snippet of it. Hey, you in the mirror I hate that I hate you Your eyes full of anger Skin so thin you see right through I put on my makeup, my bulletproof clothes Or paint to hide what I can't control Words be my army I'll be my sword Tonight you can't harm me Tonight this is war Tonight this means war
0: what about some other songs that are on the album? What were some of the other ones that were really big that you'd like to share? There's a song on
1: the record called Into the Stars and it's about uh, battling uh, depression and anxiety Um, but it's actually more about kind of um, embracing the darker feelings and uh, like allowing yourself to feel them because I think so much right now um is about numbing the pain. We we just want to be happy and feel good all the time, right? But I don't think that's what you learn from and grow from. And uh you know, and I'm not talking about clinical depression, okay? If you're if you have clinical depression, like get help, find find help, you know, take care of yourself and and do what you need to do. But uh for um just those dark times in your life that we all go through, uh, I'm kind of learning to get more comfortable with that and to like live in it and feel my feelings and and just know that without the darkness, there is no light, you know, without those without those downs and the lows, we can't have the highs.
0: Yeah, so all right, we'll let you guys listen to a little snippet from it and kind of, See what you're feeling after you hear it.
1: I'm drawn into the darkness like a moth into the flame. All the demons know me. They call me by my name. I know that I am hiding. I feel like I'm alone. Choosing to be blind to things I can't control. But don't go. Look into the stars.
0: talking about these ones with messages um, and growing through them and like you said even this whole album starting dark and growing to light for you as an artist and a musician the process how do you feel coming on the outside of now releasing this album and telling these stories has it been kind of therapeutic for you
1: oh absolutely (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's fun to see it all come together and I feel like this album actually came together Uh, particularly well because there is such diversity among the songs that it could have seemed like such a hodgepodge Um, but my my producer is brilliant and he helped make them all cohesive and then I felt like the order of them on the album also made sense so that like even though most of it like you start out with this dark electronic stuff by the end you're at the happy ukulele song so if you lift it, listen to it
0: on shuffle, you might experience. something. Be like, what bit. is going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't listen on shuffle. <laughs> that's probably not the way to experience this. So listeners, record. listen to that. Start from yeah. beginning to end. <laughs> Pause if you need to use the restroom, and then that's, come back. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and the last the last song on the album is called uh, "Flying Machine," and that is, I wrote that one really about my music career, and. It's a you know I got a, I got a late start wanting to be a songwriter. It's I avoided it for many years, and then once I, I finally got started, I already before I'd even begun, I had people telling me that I was um, too old to do this.
0: What I you know what I'll never understand that. I mean I think now and now nowadays more people are okay with accepting massive career changes yeah. in their thirties and forties. I mean you hear about actors all the time um, who decided at 40, they're like, I'm going to do this for yeah. real, you know? And I, age shouldn't matter. There's your age doesn't change the stories you tell and the music you make. And you know, for actors, it, there's always someone out there that age whose story needs to be told. Absolutely. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't all have to be 20 or 16. I mean, the idea of the prodigy, impressive. You know, you hear yeah. about those 14-year-old piano players from Europe who are incredible. Kudos to them that they actually get to do their art and their talent a lot longer. Yeah. But I don't think age should define what you get to do in life. Right. Like, and I'm sorry, you're 30, now you get to sit in a cubicle for the next 40 years. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, and that's, that's exactly what the song is about. And, you know, and it's also a, uh, a tribute to, to the people that have supported me along the way. Because, you know, in this day and age, you don't need a record label. If you have an audience and if you have fans that are, that are supporting you, that's your label you know so you know in the song I kind of talk about you know having you join me for the ride and that's what that's about you know it's about like this is it's a team effort it's a collaborative effort and and I'm able to do this music and I'm able to make a living uh, doing what I love because of the people who have jumped on board with me (laughs) so
0: yeah (laughs) and speaking of like people have jumped on board and I wanted, we mentioned this previously in the podcast, but you've done some really unique photography and music videos um, taking advantage of Utah's landscapes. I mean just for example, um, you can be seen wandering in a graffiti filled bus on one of your movie music videos, you can be seen um, singing in a bathtub overlooking a cliffside, and of course um, we'll put this on our website but there's also the infamous Burning piano in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, so, talk to me a little bit about some of the really neat um, video music or music video collaborations you've been involved with, and where those ideas come from.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we are incredibly lucky to live where we live because the the geography, the scenery here is so diverse. You know, I can film a video that's in red rock desert and slot canyons, and then do one that's up in the mountains and in a, you know, we went to Donut Falls in the winter for one and the waterfalls frozen. It looks completely surreal. And, you know, then you can go out to the salt flats and it looks like a, you know, post-apocalyptic wasteland. And, and so it's like, well, you know, we, we have all of this incredible scenery, like right outside our doors. And so why not? Take advantage of that. So, how do you take your songs and then um,
0: how are you inspired to create a visual story mm. out of your words and music? Is it oftentimes in something already in your head, or do you collaborate with like the maybe cinematographer and like you know, is it fictional, nonfiction, abstract? You know, I don't know where the
1: ideas come from. <laughs> they that's, that's a good question. I am not sure where I get my crazy ideas. <laughs> it was like 3 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, some of them I can't even take credit for. Like, I had a fan who was like, hey, you should like get a clawfoot bathtub and take it out into the desert and do a video. And I was like, oh, done, doing it, <laughs> done, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, so I don't know where, I think half the time, I'm, I have an idea of the basic look that I want for a mm, video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the details actually come from the places. You know, so when I was shooting *Slow the Devil*, I didn't know about Donut Falls freezing over in the winter. But I was like, I don't know, I want something like, I want it to look like hell is frozen over. <laughs> you know, like let's let's find something. You know, and it's last winter was big winter, tons of snow, crazy crazy cold temperatures all the time. Unlike this winter, and um, and so we just I started looking around on Pinterest just okay different locations and so the inspiration a lot of it just comes from the place Mm. and and then I think like oh well that matches this lyric in the song or you know go down to the (laughs) river when I'm talking about the water and yeah that kind of thing so I try to find I try to find visuals that are complementary but not obvious yeah well I guess if you were still in New York
0: it would be another skyscraper Whereas here in Utah, you're able to take advantage of it. Yeah. Well, uh, just one kind of final question. You know, what has it been like being an artist here in Utah? One, it's home. And one, you know, it it isn't one of the coasts. Yeah. You know, how has it been being a musician, being Robin Cage
1: um, right here in Park City? I think it's great, actually. (laughs) It really is. Because, you know, um, especially in in Park City with the, the tourism, There are tons of opportunities to play live music, and you can play to a fresh audience every single night. I mean, during the season here, I don't need to tour, which is awesome because a lot of artists, in order to just make a living, need to tour. Um, I can tour, but I don't have to. So that's really nice. And, you know, as I uh, have mentioned a couple times, the talent here is unreal. Um, And I think that a lot of that is uh, just the culture here. You know, people who who are born and raised here tend to stay here. So people who, you know, are extraordinarily talented and and under different circumstances would probably move to New York or L.A. or Nashville, they end up staying here, which is, is great for finding collaborators. It's a really interesting and diverse music scene here as well. There's a different, I think every town has like a different vibe. You know, um, in Provo, the music scene is insane. There, there's tons of original music. Uh, it tends to be like, alternative synth pop kind of stuff, right? And then in Park City, like, you've got the jam bands and in like Salt Lake's got like an amazing like metal scene, you know, so it's just, it's so funny. It's, but whatever you're looking for, you, you're you gonna find it in proximity. Speaking of finding, how can our
0: listeners find you, you know, maybe get your album, follow you, or you know, just even find out when you're performing again?
1: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm on uh, all the socials. Um, I'm Robin Cage Music on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then, and Robin is spelled with a Y. Uh, and then my website is a good place to find or buy my music or just listen. Um, it's www.robincage.com. Robin with a Y. And then Cage, just like a bird cage. And uh, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Pandora iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, um, my YouTube channel is where I try to direct people um, who have uh, never been introduced to my music because I think that that unique visual element is, is a cool introduction and I have some cover videos up there that I think are, are fun too if uh, you want to hear something familiar but like a different twist on it.
0: Well, um, Robin, I just want to thank you for joining us today. It's been fun. It's, for me, personally, just to be able to catch up and hear your music. since It's been a while since we worked together. Yeah. <laughs> um, for all of our listeners out there, again, you can find this episode as well as any of the other episodes of Salt Lake Speaks at saltlakemagazine.com podcast. And on that note, we're going to play you out with one of Robin's new songs, All Smoke, No Fire. I knew. This episode has been brought to you by Airstream of Utah. They are located in Salt Lake City at 2651 South 600 West. Remember to live riveted Utah.